a method I've got to do work on all sorts of interesting things, which isn't just around, you know, delivering software or designing software. So, you know, I'm here. I've been here seven years. So, <laughs> so something different every 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 day. You are listening to Inside Method, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of a global consultancy. Hi, my name is Josh Lucas, and in this podcast, I'm sitting down with Method's Executive Director of Design Technology, Stuart George. Stuart works out of our London office and has been with the company for over eight years now. I had a great time getting to know I had a great time getting to know him and listening to his professional journey as well as the things he's passionate about outside of the office. We also talk about his epic international adventure as he was trying to get married in Las Vegas as COVID lockdown started threatening his way back home. I really enjoyed my time with Stuart, and I hope this interview reminds you of how lucky we all are to be surrounded by so many great coworkers, each with their own amazing journey to share. So don't hesitate to reach out and say hello to someone maybe you haven't had a chance to talk to yet. I'll get off my soapbox now, and with that, let's get a chance to know Stuart. Stuart, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to uh, sit down and speak with us. We appreciate it. That's okay. We always start off every podcast with uh, just wanting to get to know the, uh, the background of the folks we're talking to. So for the folks who do not know you yet, can you tell us what do you do here at Method? I kind of run in the London office, the design technology team and work with Lucene, who's kind of running the whole new data design practice as well at the moment. I kind of also get involved in the product management side at London as well. And what is your background? What was your path to method were you were you someone who went to school for this related field did you kind of take a, a different route here like what was your path to method I, I kind of started off I mean I, I got a computer I think when I was about eight I wanted a CB but my parents being clever said no no we'll get a computer so I got that and I was playing with that as I grew up and then I done it's probably ultimately a, a pretty good choice on your parents part <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's better than a nine-year-old talking to you know forty-year-old truckers. <laughs> so I I kind of started programming because there was no kind of games on it, and I just sort of drifted into that. I was also interested in politics and kind of economics and that side of things, and I think those three things like technology, um, economics, and politics have always kind of interested me. But I decided to focus on computers at university, and then moved into a graduate trainee scheme, the NatWest Bank, which is a kind of UK-based bank, stayed there for a bit, went into a kind of new technology division, which was really around kind of exploring and playing with anything new that was coming up out and seeing where it was applicable to the bank. I worked for them, and then that unit got sold off to a software consultancy called Logica CMG. And then I stayed in software consultancy, moved to like Accenture and a few other small companies for a while. And then I got a bit bored of that and I thought I'd go into product development and went and worked for a company called MapInfo. And this was before the Googles and the Microsoft started doing map mapping products. Worked there for a bit and then I was looking outside the company looking, you know, what, what everybody else was up to. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall for MapInfo. <laughs> and one of my, um, my exit presentations was basically 
telling them that they needed to change their stuff to a kind of service model around mapping and it didn't go around down too well but luckily a really good opportunity opened up in something slightly different um working for a digital agency called akqa and that was more business to consumer a bit more kind of sexy something you can tell your mum about <laughs> i moved over and joined them and it was quite interesting it was more into the kind of management side running kind of product delivery projects worked with some really big brands like fear heineken guinness and so on and it was at the point where even though it was a kind of digital media agency they're starting to be more kind of product work working with clients it was like the kind of product as advertising idea so nike plus so i worked with fear on something called fear eco drive which was it would take telemetry from your car and then do analysis on it and then tell you how to drive better either to save money or to save the planet depending on what your kind of view was so that was interesting and i learned that what really works there is if you bring people from different skill sets together into a team so for an agency, especially advertising agency, you know, having people from different disciplines working in a team isn't generally the way they work. They work quite silo. So it's quite a break from that. I'm sorry to inter- interject. I'm just curious there, Stuart, if, and I'll preface this with, I used to work in motorsports uh, prior to coming to Method and, and just knowing like how big of a role telemetry, like all of the data surrounding all of those things at play in racing. Did that spark any? Are you a racing fan as a result of doing any of that work? Or or I feel like it either makes you into a racing fan or it just makes you want nothing to do with racing. It seems to be like polar extremes with those. I'm one of these people who kind of um, sees a car as just something that gets you from A to B. Yeah. <laughs> it, did, it did drum up a little bit of um, interest. I guess at the time, but it's never really been a kind of passion of mine. I mean, I've got really old banger outside the front of the house is a car. Um, <laughs> I'm always being complained that, you know, like, oh God, don't pick me up in that by my kids. So <laughs> <laughs> as long as it keeps running, I'm not, I'm not really that bothered, but yeah, you know, as, as part of the project and it, we're working with Fiat for two years, on multiple different things but this was one of them we were kind of getting a car to play with because obviously you couldn't test this system without like a fiat 500 which were they, they were launching in the uk at the time so i had i had one of those different models of that the whole time which were, the kids liked slightly more than, than the bangers that i'm used to i stayed at akqa and I, I met a guy called mark watson there who was brought in as a contractor to do the kind of proper project management side uh, of things and he, he left and he went and joined Method as client services director. And then a couple of years later, they, they wanted a kind of tech director to join. So I went in and met everybody there. And obviously I, I was sold on cross-discipline working. I had a sort of idea what designers do, but when I joined Method, I kind of got it with double barrels. Method like seven years ago now was very, or still is, very, very kind of design-led. And I come from companies where obviously technology led the whole thing. At Method, I've got to do work on all sorts of interesting things, which isn't just around, you know, delivering software or designing software. So, you know, I'm here, I've been here seven years. So, <laughs> so something different every, every, every day. 
And the it can't be all that bad then if you've been here seven years, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of baptism of fire when I first joined. I was like, what is everybody talking about? <laughs> seven years, you can kind of get your head around it, I think. It is crazy when you look across just the design technology landscape from the business perspective, the longevity or the lifespan of people in one place, it just keeps getting shorter and shorter. And so, you know, with Method, I think it's something to be proud of that we have folks who, for the most part, they don't leave super fast. Like we have a, a large part of our team who have, you know, we're, we're expanding a ton, obviously. And so we have a lot of people who haven't been here long because they've just recently been hired. But other than that, the folks who we hire typically stay for a pretty long time, which is a, a testimony to the culture that we have, which is great. With your time here, has your role evolved in the time that you've been at Method? Yeah, I, I guess for the first few years, it was just acting as a technical director going in where there was any kind of delivery side of things or the client's delivery side acting between design and technology to help helping to kind of smooth things over and, and work them out we had like a global team later on i became part of that and that was working with kind of new york and san francisco for a while but now i'm kind of back in the london team actually getting a bit more sort of hands-on again but I wouldn't say that was the important part. I think it's like the diverse amount of different things that we've done, you know, from we worked with a number of national lotteries, looking at uh, gaming concepts for 18 to 25 year olds for two years, creating this sort of collab idea. That was interesting. Um, I was involved in the startup of a new capability for a a Nordic technology company based around design. So that was exciting, you know, acting like um, a startup for a year or so. So like it's the variety of different work, which kind of keeps me here, you know, the title is really not massively important. So Stuart, outside of the office, I, I guess everyone we bring onto the podcast, we ask this question, but we believe that everybody is a nerd about something in their life. So for you, what are the things in your life that you are you just nerd out over? What is the thing that gets you excited when you're not uh, at work? So there's a few things. I'm a bit of a running nerd, specifically kind of natural running and um, all that kind of stuff. So I run loads, and if you get me onto the subject, I'll just talk and talk until you can you can see somebody's eyes completely glaze over. Do you run just as a hobby? Do you run like for races? And if so, like we've talked to a few folks who have taken up running over the quarantine. And it seems like we've got a few that are just like, I just need to exercise. And then we've got others who are like doing marathons. Are you somewhere in there? Or are you one of the like crazy people who are doing ultra running? I, I don't know where you no, are. No, I've never got that far. I've, um, <laughs> I, I, I really do it just to relax, I think, more than anything. And you, you kind of go into a state of mind when you're not actually thinking that much. It's a form of, I'd see it as a kind of form of meditation more than anything else. Um, so there's that. I use that to keep to kind of keep fit. I'm still interested in politics and economics. Probably too much. Again, if anybody talks to me about that, I can go on forever. It's been an interesting time, both here and in the US. And we'll leave that there. <laughs> and then kind of a bit of a gamer. I try and keep that really, really quiet. I've got the latest Xbox downstairs, Pride of Place. The other thing I try and keep, I'm quite a big gambler but not like big money and quite into poker as well and online poker. And the running keeps me fit. 
and then the rest is kind of more lazy. I don't know if you've had a chance to connect. If you're into the poker, the online poker, you may not have had a chance to hear yet. So, you know, Joe and Chris Manley, Joe's leading Method, and then Chris is helping to lead the sales team for us. But both of them prior to coming to Method worked for a online poker company. Like they would go and help set up these online poker games for cruise ships and casinos. And that's what they did before coming here was like setting, Chris would help sell the technology and set it up. And then Joe would kind of help do that as well as help to manage some of the technology. So they're your go-to guys for that kind of thing. Yeah. Time to go and spin off a new company then. (laughs) Yeah. So out of those things, like, is there one that you feel like, if you could only do one thing uh, out of the ones that you mentioned, which one is probably your your most important that you have to do? As to running, I say that it settles my mind. But if I don't go out running like for at least four times a week, then I'm then I'm very unsettled. Yeah. <laughs> and are you doing? How long is a typical run for you? Uh, four, four or five miles. So Stuart, now I'm curious. And and I hope I'm not I'm I hope I'm not mixing up stories here. But um, you had a bit of a crazy pre-pandemic uh, ev- kind of stretch of events take place. A- am I correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do you mind walking us through that a little bit? But I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. Um, <laughs> early March. Um, I, I went over to the New York office to uh, to work with the guys over there on a project. My wife to be was was meant to be flying to LA for a conference, and then the plan was I was going to fly from New York across to LA, and then we were going to go to New York, get married, go back to LA to Malibu, and stay there for a few days. But everything was kind of getting everybody's. If you remember back in March, everybody's starting to get slightly jittery, and. When, when when I got to the um, New York office, Trump banned all flights from the EU, but we weren't included because if anybody has been to the UK, they know that um, the UK isn't in Europe and we're not part of the EU. <laughs> um, she took a flight earlier to New York and it, New York seemed to be starting to close down. And we flew, we flew across to LA and we were at the beach there. That seemed to be closing down. So the hotel, I think we were the last people to leave there. So it, it's like, it was like there's this wave coming behind us of every, everybody sort of closing down. But we managed, we managed to get to Vegas and it was like they bought, through, they bought forward St. Patrick's Day, I think, to the Saturday night because they were worried what's going to happen the following week. And we were meant to be getting married on the Tuesday. And so we had fun on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we got told that they were closing the hotel on the Monday. So like, we're getting married on the Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but they said, they said there's nothing they can do about it. They can do it. They can do about it. You know? So we, we actually brought the wedding forward to the Monday, managed to get uh, somebody in to do, to do my wife's hair and everything like that, got there. Got the wedding done. It got out for dinner on the evening on the Monday, and then we were on the phone call to Virgin to try and get a flight back. They managed to di- divert us. I think it was via Atlanta, and then we got back on the Wednesday. In the meantime, you know, everybody had been raiding the supermarkets, and there'd been this whole thing, which I think started in Australia, where they were taking toilet rolls. Toilet rolls were like, crystal, oh man, that was that rolls, was yeah. 
there for a while. If you could get your hands on toilet paper, you were sitting on gold. Yes. So um, that was actually our biggest problem from the Wednesday earlier. But luckily, we managed to find some on the Saturday. But we had to, we had to, we had to, can, we had to cancel the honeymoon. So you end up in the States. You're supposed to get married. Now, you were originally supposed to get married in Vegas to begin with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that didn't change. But once you got to Vegas, then everything had to be pushed up. And then so were you supposed to leave Vegas and go straight on to the honeymoon or was Vegas the honeymoon or was that supposed to be later on in in the year sometime? We're going to fly back to L.A. and then go to Malibu. But the other thing that happened on the wedding day, our flight got canceled to go back because Trump said the UK's banned now and it totally confused all the airlines and they didn't know where they should be flying into so it disrupted like the schedule and and then it looked like we couldn't get any flights back so I, on the wedding day my wife's getting ready I'm on I'm on the phone to Remo in New York going does anybody have anywhere in the US where we could stay for a period of time yeah so it was, it, was, it was all pretty nuts, to be honest, but um, it all sort of worked out in the end. Yeah. I, I think on the bright side, it's like you got married right at the beginning of uh, of quarantine. So yep. like the, you can only go up from here, right, as far as your marriage is concerned. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> if there were any questions about how you were going to interact during a stressful time, that all probably worked its way out over the last year, I would assume. Yeah, we haven't we haven't killed each other yet, so I think it's done. Oh, well, that's awesome! Yeah, I remember hearing a bit about that story. Just a, and I'm just like, oh my, like just getting married in general is stressful enough. Let alone if you have to worry about managing flights and and hotel stays and all of that. And you know, at the beginning of a of a worldwide pandemic, so, so kudos to you for managing all of that. <laughs> So, Stuart, is anything that you can think of that would be, uh, I mean, that to me is is one example of a fun fact, but are, are there any fun facts about yourself that you can think of that maybe coworkers would be surprised to find out about you? I guess something related. <laughs> I, did, I did once uh, play craps with uh, Chuck Norris in Vegas. Wow. That, that was just some weird fluke. He had his, I, I was at a craps table and he, he appeared with his entourage. You kind of bring about 20 people with them. We were just playing. So that's that. That's about the only thing. <laughs> hey, that, that we can end the podcast on that one. I mean, so what does a Chuck Norris entourage look like? I've just a vague collections of randoms who cheer everything he says and all that kind of stuff, just as you can imagine, <laughs> living off his money. <laughs> and did everybody make it away from the craps table in one piece? Uh, yeah, there wasn't a fight because we'd all be dead. I just assume that he, anywhere he goes, he just he. In my <laughs> head, I like to envision him fighting everybody, no matter, <laughs> no matter what happened. How long ago was that? It'd be about oh god, that would have been sixteen years ago. Yeah, thinking so about he it. was still in yeah, prime. He still, had, he still had it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Stuart, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Really look forward to getting to meet you in person, hopefully soon. Same here. I can't wait. Do you need more method in your life? Don't miss our monthly tech talks and follow us on social. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, don't forget to stay nerdy.